This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Well, hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and it is already July. I can't even begin to describe how excited I am that we're halfway through 2020 because, man, this has been intense. Um, A lot of stuff going on, obviously, in the world. And uh, so it's always great to find escapism in a really, really good book. And so I'm super excited today to have someone on um, that I absolutely adore. And I have met her at conferences, and we've talked online, and and just just absolutely love having her. So Reese Ryan is here today. She's the author of 15 published works of romantic fiction and counting. Her stories always feature complex, deliciously flawed characters, which is true. They're always very delicious. She presents her characters with family and career drama, challenging love interests, and life-changing secrets, while treating readers to an emotional love story with unexpected twists. She's born and raised in the Midwest and now lives in central North Carolina. She treads the line carefully between being a northerner and a damned Yankee, despite her her insistence on calling soda pop. That's okay here in Texas. Everything's a Coke. So uh, she gauges her progress by the number of bless your hearts, and she receives each week, and she's currently down to two. Uh, Reese is an advocate for the romance genre and diversity in fiction, is the past president of her local Romance Writers of America chapter, a panelist at the 2017 Los Angeles Times Festival of Books, and the 2018 Donna Hill Breakout Author Award. You can follow her on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Goodreads, and Pinterest. And she also has a new book out, and she's got more books coming, and so we're going to talk about all that today. So... Welcome to the show, Reese Ryan. How are you today, my dear? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. <laughs> Isn't it fun you? to like have someone read about you and you're like, wow, I am kind of impressive, you know? <laughs> it's so funny too because I haven't used that bio in a while because I was like, oh, I'm, just, I'm like, I broke it down to like a paragraph or like two sentences. <laughs> and so right. it's kind of, it was kind of funny to hear all of that again. I know, it's like, wow, I have done a lot of crap. (laughs) It's all true, but only because I'm up to, I think, 20, I think yesterday was my 20th book release, so. Oh, fabulous. (laughs) Well, I love it. Yeah, because yesterday you had the fourth Bourbon Brothers book out, and I remember when the first one came out, I was like, oh my gosh, how fast can she write these? Because this is not fair that I'm sitting here waiting for the rest of them. (laughs) So... But, I mean, I'm sure you're thinking like you're writing as quickly as you can and trying to get all that in. When you're doing a, four books, um, do you plot like the thread that has to be pulled through the all four, or does that kind of come organically as you're writing? How do you plot those out? I really wish I was organized to have planned the arc across the six books, <laughs> but I am not. <laughs> You know, I hope I grow up one day and I'm able to do that. <laughs> so yeah. it wasn't planned that far in advance. Like when I proposed the series, I knew, you know, the general story for each sibling. Um, one of the right. siblings did change. Um, the story for the final would change. But um, generally I, I knew the general story. But I didn't really realize there was going to be kind of like an overarching thing that was going to go through all of them and that kind of uh that kind of more started with Parker's book, <laughs> the last one. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, no, no, but this, in, in the future, I'd like to do that, but so 
far, no. It just it just kind of stems organically from um, the characters and, and what happens um, in each yeah, book. So. It's funny because, you know, when we, we all do this, when we're trying to pitch more than one book, and you have siblings, which is classic, or best friends or what have you. And um, I remember when I pitched one a few years ago to Tule, and they were lovely and they loved it, but I like the second book, I was like, okay, let's see, what can we do? You know, what's the thing? And it's like, there's some big secret. And it was just supposed to be a blurb, and they wrote back, and they're like, so what's the secret? And I'm like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> You're going to love it. <laughs> I promise. Um, so, I, I mean, I did come up with something, but they were like, oh, my gosh, that's great. But, I mean, it's one of those things where you're just trying to get them to look at your stuff. <laughs> like, I don't right. know why I thought I could just slide that by, but that is not how that works. Um, not at all. Not no, at all. but, I yeah. mean, it's fun because I'm sure as you're writing your stories, um, you're you're saying, oh, yeah, we could do this, you know. <laughs> what what are those kind exactly. of moments? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly how it kind of goes because one of the things, so like, you know, over time of writing, there's different, different things that I realized are consistently a part of stories I write, you know, but and originally it wasn't intentional. It just would happen, you know, like right. always, there's always going to be family drama. Food is always sure. going to play a role. Music is always going to play a role. You know, there's going to be these basic things of, um, uh, family, forgiveness, and um, self-identity. You don't, and, and it took me a few books in to realize that those things always um, happen in my books. So one of the things that I didn't really realize until a reader brought it to my attention it was like, they're like, oh, there's only like some secret. I can't wait to see what the secret is in this book. And I'm like, really? <laughs> so then I realized Every book that I wrote did have some kind of secret that happened at some point in the book that was revealed at some point in the book. And I'm like, okay, you might as well embrace that as part of your brand. So even with that, a lot of times when I go into the store, I'm not really sure what the secret is going to be. Right. The book. It just kind of stems organically from um, from the story. But, it, you know, it's not something that I guarantee that every single book is going to have a secret, but it just keeps, it just generally does happen. And whenever I can... Um, whenever I see it going in that direction, I'm like, okay, this will be really good. Then, yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> so. you, do you have those moments like, you know, you're, you're struggling to write this, you're like, ah, oh, forget it. And then um, you just kind of, I've done that where I just skip, like, okay, just like insert here. Um, and then you skip to something else. And then you're doing something else, like, you know, your shower, driving down the street, you're like, oh. Because that's when the greatest ideas always come to you, at the most yes. inconvenient moments. It's when you're in the yes. shower, it's when you're driving, or when you're trying to go to sleep. And then those are when you have your best ideas, always. Right. So that's one of the right. reasons, too, why I started using, um, I stopped using, you know, notebooks and all the little sticky notes, you know, where you write down your ideas and stuff and you forget about them and then you're going through your stuff like three years later. You're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> so yeah. I stopped doing that. And now I use Evernote okay. to uh, collect all my thoughts. So I use, and I love Evernote, too, because it has a system of, like, in addition to the notes itself, it has, like, notebooks, and then you can stack the notebooks. 
And so I do like one for each. I do a stack for each series, and so each book has uh-huh. its own notebook. And then I also have ones for like story ideas. So, so that was right. a lot easier in those moments. Yeah, no, I still don't take my phone. I don't take my phone in the shower, <laughs> and I don't sure. use it while I'm driving. But at least when I, at night, you know, late at night in the dark, I don't have to get up and get a piece of paper and turn on the light or whatever. I can just pick up my phone and type out a, a few notes or whatever and every note says to keep that thought. So I do write stories in a nonlinear fashion. And yeah. I, I really have embraced that over the last, you know, several books because a lot of times I would get to a point at which where I would feel kind of stuck. And I'm like, but these other scenes would be popping in my head. So I just started – and a lot of times those things start popping in my head while I'm writing another book. So I'm writing another book, yeah. I'm supposed to be focused on this book, and then this other story, the, the things keep popping in my head. And so, you know, first I just tried to stay on the one book, and I'm like, it, they, the thoughts wouldn't quiet in my head. So it was easier to just write them down, and so now I do that. Yeah. So a lot of times by the time I come to a book like, like this, a reunion of rivals, by the time I really started in earnest writing that book, I probably had already written 15,000 words in scenes from, you know, just scenes that came to me before I started writing. Wow. So tell me, you know, you were a big reader growing up, yes? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So what was the catalyst that made you say, you know what, I think I want to write a book. I think I want to write <laughs> this story. So growing up, I, you know, I was a huge reader. Um, and I'm still friends with girls that I uh, have known since one of them literally I met in preschool, on the first day of preschool. <laughs> okay. And we're um, we're still friends. It's a big group of us. And um, so but we loved reading. We all loved reading. We loved going to the library. Our, our little local neighborhood library was the store, mm-hmm. um, the size of like a crappy corner store at first. Um, and right. We loved it. We would go there. We would take out all the books that they would allow us to take out. So we were huge readers. And it, and I've loved stories since I was very little. I learned to read at a very young age. But it was reading. Um, so two books had a big impact on me. One was Louisa May Alcott's Little Women. I uh-huh. just really, really loved that story, and I was you know, kind of attached to the characters or whatever. And then the light bulb moment I, for me was um, reading Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. Okay. <laughs> because, like, I wanted, I loved how the story made you, you know, uh, root for the, the characters, want to slap the characters sometimes. It made you laugh. Sure. It made you cry. It made you angry. So I loved that whole emotional ride. It took you on, and I was, you know, like, I want to do that. I want to give other people that same experience. And so that was the moment I really needed. I wanted to be a storyteller and not just a consumer of stories. Okay. So in the and the thing that I it took me a while to realize is that those two heroines, Elizabeth Bennett and you know Joe, both have a make up still have a big impact on the stories I write now. <laughs> or those books oh, have wow. a big impact on the stories I write now. You know the family, the whole family drama and stuff. That's something that's inherent in every book that I write, and that comes. I think that that stems from those two books that I love so much, those two stories that I love so much. And it's kind of an unconventional heroine I usually like to, to create, and that stems from those two as well, I think. So those two books definitely did have a huge impact on me and, and me becoming a storyteller. And it's interesting how that same theme, you know, sisters going through their thing and then 
um, the you know Darcy's just kind of internationally known, Elizabeth Bennet and Mr. Darcy, just kind of known characters. And it's amazing how just this idea from a woman over 200 years ago said, you know, mm. I think I'll write a story. And, and I don't <laughs> think people really, really grasp the magnitude of the fact that the people who actually sit down and write the stories get them published. Um, however, whether it's traditional or, or, or indie, and that feeds somebody's soul for however long mm. it takes them to read that story. And like you're saying, it mm-hmm. sits with them for a long time and helps. Um, and, you know, especially the time when we're going through right now, you know, a lot of people are stressing and, and need that escapism. They need hope and they need good things and, or they need dragons or, you know, whatever they need. And um, it's, it's a, it's a big deal that people sit down and write these stories and, it's helping each other in a lot of ways, I think. Um, what are some of the things that you've been reading that have been helping you right now? Or are you just in the thick of writing your stuff and editing? Uh, right now I am totally in the thick of writing and editing. So I'm not, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not really getting a chance to do um, a lot of writing right now. I mean, I'm sorry, a lot of reading right now other than um, craft stuff. But whenever right. I can, I do um, absolutely try to uh, uh, sneak in some reading. So right now I'm reading Talia Hibbert's um, Get a Life, Chloe Brown. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm reading bits of that whenever I can and whenever I can um, between all of this, uh, you know, promo and stuff for the book and then writing. Because I am like, I don't even want to tell you how many books I have to do the rest of the year. <laughs> I don't want to think about it right now. <laughs> yeah. Right now I'm in a happy place. Right now I'm in a happy place. <laughs> so, right. It's a good thing. This is what I've always wanted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I don't. <laughs> so, right now I'm not good to read as much. But I, earlier this year I got a chance to read a little bit more because, like you said, with everything that's happening right now, especially when we, when we first kind of started on lockdown. Yeah. And, we were first getting the numbers, the horrific numbers of deaths here in the U.S., especially in New York. It was like, it was really paralyzing for me um, in terms of not being, I just couldn't think and be creative. I just couldn't. <laughs> and so even yeah. though I had all this stuff, that was, I had all these deadlines and things, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't manage to, to you know, be creative and, and, and get into that headspace. And so I just focused on, you know, doing a reading bunch of books. Um, but I, I would say maybe a month and a half, two months in, finally it slowly started to lift. And, and part of what helped me get back into that headspace is, like you said, I realized um, how much our books help other people, how much they touch other mm-hmm. people, just the way books touch us, you know, mm-hmm. how it can sometimes help people get through a really hard time. Um, and it gives them that moment of, of escape or whatever. So that was something that helped me get back on track and say, okay, just, you know, this is beneficial for, for other, this, not just myself, this is beneficial for other people as well. And that's one of the main things I want to do as a writer is to be able to connect with readers, to make people feel like, you know, either to uplift them in some way, whether that's right. making them feel seen or making them feel like, um, you know, that one of the other things – and I know I'm jumping back. <laughs> so one of the other things that made um, 
a little women have a real impact on me in terms of wanting to be a writer. <laughs> so I guess the yeah. light bulb moment was was um, Pride and Prejudice and wanted to do that. But uh, a thing, the, the thing that started the thought, I think, in my head is in Little Women, I have always been so upset that she, that Joe didn't choose Lori. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like the idea of like writing my own story where I can decide <laughs> that the person yeah. you know who ends up with who. And so the other thing I like too is about writing is you know giving people who maybe in real life I might know someone who is in a similar situation, giving them who doesn't have their happy ending yet, writing that happy right. ending for that person. So you know all those things factor in for me when I'm writing. Well. My daughters had not uh, read the book, uh, Little Women. We had read Mother Daughter Book Club, and that was by mm-hmm. um, Heather Vogel Frederick, and she Vogel Frederick, and it was basically four moms that get a book club together, and then they have the daughters, and then the first book they read is Little Women, and it's based in Concord, mm-hmm. Massachusetts, um, or Concord, Massachusetts. I don't know the proper way to say it, um, and they, and then there's all these similarities between the book. And, of course, the girls, what they're going through and everything. And so we had read that. And then they did a tea time for little women at Alamo Draft House. So you could go and you had lavender cakes and tea. And it was just all this really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So there was a, a group of us that went. We took the girls. But <laughs> I didn't tell them about what happens with um, mm. it's Beth, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so we're in the theater, and my daughter looks at me like, you know, Claire, God, what's her last name? Anyway, she's the one who played Beth in this one, and she's like all coffee and not looking good. Um, And my daughter looks at me, she goes, Mom, is she going to (laughs) die? She was so mad at me. (laughs) And I'm like, she likes my scream? (laughs) So sorry. Um, That is pretty traumatic. It was, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, it was and go oh by the way we're going to have tea and somebody dies you know you just you don't want to go into the theater that way either um she also did that too and this is my daughter that's got um dyslexia and so reading's really hard for her and she she also um has trouble sometimes picking up body cues and stuff so one year i took her to see mm-hmm. they took him to see swan lake all the girls are in ballet so um we were watching it we sat through this whole thing and she's riveted she's like at the edge of her seat and she's and of course odette you know throws herself off you know because that's what you do apparently in you know russian ballet and um she she was looked at me she goes mom <laughs> she just died they sit through two hours of this and she died and i was just like you picked up the body cues it's so cool you know it's just yeah <laughs> So it's oh, one of those things. You know, the storytelling again. It's that escapism, and weirdly so. Yeah. Um, it worked, but I mean, it's yeah. It's it's one of those things that that story sticks with you and just keeps going. And now you've kind of layered that in because you've started your YouTube channel and you've got the story mm-hmm. behind the story. Yes. I so what made you want to do that? Yeah. <laughs> you are so, so good. Thank you. <laughs> Honestly, it kind of just started with me being, you know, 
all of us as writers, we're readers first, right? So sure, I would look at different books and I'm like, you know, one, I, I'm interested not only as a reader, as a writer, you know, what's the story behind the story? <laughs> you know, right. I, I just decided, I, and, and it kind of, like, it was something, honestly, at first I didn't know it was going to take, uh, it was going to take a form, but for like, at least two years I've been saying I wanted to do either a podcast or a vlog. And I just hadn't gotten around to it. And so, um, and it was something I kept thinking about. It was something I had even floated to other groups of authors because, I, you know, it felt too big and scary to do it on my own. And so I, I thought, okay, if I do it with other people, then, you know, it's not, it's not going to be so scary. <laughs> so, right. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, you know, maybe down the road, whatever. So, you know, during this year and we're in this, you know, descending, and descending into this dystopian uh, world, <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I must have had literally maybe like five minutes between revising one book and having to write another, and I was like, oh, why don't I start a YouTube show? <laughs> because I'm not busy enough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't have enough things to do, <laughs> why don't I start a YouTube show? <laughs> yeah. And that's what I did, <laughs> and basically, you know, everything so far has just been something that... You know, I look at, look at the story, and I have some interest in wanting to know more about it in terms of the story itself, or the you know the, the concept, or some of the characters. Cause I'm big on characters, um, right. in both writing and reading, and so that's kind of how how it developed. And so that's how I, that's how I pick and choose um, who I'm going to have on the show. It, it has to be something that's that's of interest to me as a reader first because I want right. I wanted to appeal to readers and so I want to ask the questions from the position of a reader. Um, the one exception so far is that I, I I plan to have a conversation with a few of the current members of the RWA board. And again that stems from my own curiosity about where we are um right. with things at this at this point. And so yeah. <laughs> And that's I'm looking at your schedule for the uh, for that, and that's on the the eighth of this month. Yes. Um, yes. And you're interviewing uh, Laquette and Alyssa Day, um, and the um, Chilove. Yes. So mm-hmm. you're, and you know, if anybody who's not aware, you know, and I've mentioned it before, um, Roommates Writers of America had. Uh, basically an implosion last year. Um, mm. And there's a lot of things to be addressed and fixed with systemic racism and, and marginalizing um, people who are writing not the quote-unquote norm of um, you know, couples and what have you in, mm-hmm. in the writing world. And it's, it's very interesting because, and I, I've talked to some of my friends about it, it's like you know, I'm always an ally, but it, it really distressed me to hear this and it's not that I didn't think there were not great people um and if I'd seen something obvious a lot of people say well if I seen something obvious I would have said something it's like well it's all the micro things it's the little things that if you don't know to look for um you don't know is there and so I have been incredibly grateful for conversations that um people are having for this because my normal is because I was a nurse and I've you know done all these things is to to nurture and help and fix and heal mm-hmm. and what I realized is my job right now is to listen and so I've mm-hmm. just been 
going down threads and just absorbing and reading and, and um, you know, having conversations with, with people and just, like, tell me your story, tell me your read. Or, and, and it's been wonderfully, it's been wonderfully enlightening. And, I, you know, we can all do better. You know, we can all listen mm-hmm. and do better. Um, and that's been, I think, it's something that had to happen in the sense of RWA. I mean, that you just can't have that go on forever. That's just not right. So I love that yes. people spoke up. I'm glad that someone said something. You know, here we go. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's definitely one of those things. Yeah. 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 Can't put it back yeah. in the box. <laughs> no, and and you really, you shouldn't know them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And absolutely, um, and, and like you said, the, the micro stuff. Believe me, there's been plenty of overt stuff, but the micro yeah. stuff is is the stuff that lets people think that they're still a nice, sweet lady, and you know whatever, but they're not. <laughs> yeah. And so you know, and and plenty of us have experienced those even at the local chapter level. Um, so. I personally um, had withdrawn from my local chapter um, to let my local chapter membership lapse after having uh-huh. been on the board for like five years, including being the president for two. Um, and just, you know, I will say absolutely that once I was the president of my chapter, I definitely started to see a lot of those micro things tune up a lot. Mm-hmm. And I will say this, because <laughs> I can tend to be, you know, a glass half full person. I try to always be positive. I always try to see the good in people. It was mm-hmm. easy for me a lot of times to overlook things or to make an excuse in my head, you know. And I will say, as a black person, that is one thing I feel is is, is something that's very difficult is that you never know um, when you're experiencing things in the world, whether mm-hmm. is that person just a general jerk to everyone or right. is it because of color of my skin? You always have that in the back of your head. Is it because, is it because of color of my skin or is it because this person is just a general jerk? Sometimes the question mm-hmm. answers itself in you seeing somebody else come up and be treated differently. But sometimes you just you just don't know. But definitely when I became a president chapter, I can say that I definitely felt that I definitely felt start to feel more aggression from some of the um, people and pushback from some of the folks who, of course, mm-hmm. themselves didn't want to be to step up and take the role. But you know, so anyway, I would right. definitely say that that kind of you know that and some other things just made me be like. Ugh. Yeah. So then I kind of pulled back from that, and so you know I was more hopeful with you know the national national chapter because I'm like you know well, I can just be part of you know online chapters and you know the national chapter and call it a day and then just woo mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so much so much and just it, what made it so bad too is you know that year before that was my first when we met that was my first year my first time ever going to a conference. Oh, okay. And. That was so. That was my first and only conference thus far. And personally, I did have a fantastic top to bottom experience. Let me say that my experience from top to bottom was great. But mm-hmm. it is not that the case for for many people. And um, so, yeah, it was, it was just crazy how everything quickly 
descended. So very crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's it like, was. It was like what? The building is standing there, right there. You know, you know, it's kind of funky, and it's not perfect, and you know, it's got some rust and some stuff happening. But then the next thing you know, you turn your head and you turn back, and there's like dust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Dust>. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's Man, yeah. It was. Um. It was just like what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. We know there's problems, but oh, wow. Yeah. Even having had the experiences that I had, you know, once people, and that's the other thing, a lot of times with stuff like this, you don't want to be, you don't want to feel like you're the person that's rocking the boat, and you don't want to feel like you're the troublemaker or whatever. And so, but once people start to share their stories, Mm -hmm. I was just blown, just, oh, it was just mind-blowing to hear all of the different stories of people and the microaggressions and, and their stories that they tried to report, they got pushed back. And it was, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, so, yeah. too, so, because I think um, that, yeah, I think a lot of people, uh, yeah, I think they felt quite empowered to say whatever they wanted. And, and, and there's always that feeling of, and, and it's, I think it's been worse in the last few years, but this idea of now I can say whatever I want because, and it's like, well, you mm. always could, mm. but that never means it's without mm. consequence. So, Absolutely. you know, you, yeah, if you want to cut loose and say mm. whatever's been sitting in your brain for however many years, it's, it's on you, right. whatever. <laughs> so, you know, right. there you go. Yeah, you're, you're right. We're definitely the, the environment, the, the um, environment in this country has definitely shifted over the last few, mm-hmm. uh, several years. And so, yeah, you definitely do see people being more blatant in mm-hmm. their racism and stuff. Yeah, and, of course, they, they call it all kinds of things, nationalism or whatever they want to call it, but it it is just the same old ugly bigotry that we've seen for centuries. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and so what's great, well, was, and I'll just kind of shift. fast. Well, no, but I think it's a good conversation to have, you know, because it, it, it is, to it me, is. I I want people to be able to come on and say, hey, you know, and and this is a voice and I, you know, here's, here you go. You know, I, I want people right. to talk. I want people to say what's on their mind. So I pr- very much appreciate you doing that um, because it's important. You know? The, time of the but, conversation will, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going, like, even though I, I want an authentic conversation i'm going to ask honest questions and there are things that i know that already that they can't talk about as members sure. of the board or whatever but sure but at the same time i'm going to keep the conversation respectful so you know right listeners can um chime in or whatever but absolutely we're going to keep the conversation respectful whatever we walk away with whatever my conclusion is walking away from it we're going to keep it respectful because i, res- I respect you know them those individual um, authors as people <laughs> and I yeah. respect what they're doing. And quite frankly, most of us would like to see this organization survive because we do need the advocacy right. as romance writers that we can we get, do, you know, through this collective, this collective um, organization. So, yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's been fun doing the podcast. It's been fun chatting with authors. Um, uh, who I admire already, like Sarah, Rashawn, and Olivia yeah. Dade, and Kennedy Ryan. This has been very cool, and so I'm looking forward to talking to Vanessa Riley this coming Friday, um, July. Right. 1st. And then you've got so the the panel that you're talking about is on uh, the eighth. So that's next right. week. Wednesday, and it's Wednesday, the eighth. 
Right. And it's at, um, mm-hmm. I have it here at 6. Is that Eastern time? Yes. So it's, yeah, it's, okay. it's right. It is 7 p.m. Eastern at 4. 7 p.m. Okay. So for anybody, mm-hmm. and I will put a link for that, and I will have it up in the uh, social media post as well. So you've got um, – You've got uh, Vanessa Riley on Friday, and mm-hmm. so you have her for six o'clock. Um, but uh, <laughs> y- y'all, you realize that if you go that much later than that, you're going to be you're going to be on the same time as Hamilton. <laughs> so exactly, you know. So so here's the thing: it is set for seven p.m. Uh, Eastern, and so we had set that. And I was thinking in my head, I was writing it down in my planner, and I'm like, why is this date? Stick out my head. Why is they sticking out my head? And then I realized I'm a panel because I'm like, oh no! <laughs> but I, I didn't see a time for Hamilton that it was coming on. But then again, I realized it's on a streaming channel, and usually it's just it's released that day, and then you can see it that day, period. So I'm assuming right. it's because I've not seen a time for Hamilton. So, But I did think that. I was like, yep, we are definitely going to stay. And I always try to stay under an hour anyway. <laughs> right. So well, but if it's on streaming, you like to say, yeah, people can watch it whenever. So, um yeah. it, it's yeah. been so yeah, tempting to watch. <laughs> yeah, it's been so tempting to watch like the bootleg. It's like somebody sneakily recorded in the theater, oh, and it's tempting to watch it. But it's like, but God, you know, they, they don't get paid for this. Um, yeah, that's right. And it's that same thing as like people pirate books. You know, it's 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 Absolutely. like I don't want to do that. Um, right. But I am so excited um, about it, and it, it's funny because we we got to go see it when here, it was here in San Antonio, um, and it again my second child um, we got to intermission, and I was like, so what do you think? And she goes, I don't know what's happening, but it's fantastic. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Okay, well, let's let's get home after this, and I'll kind of review stuff for you. Um, but there was there was a part in it where you know Hamilton falls from grace from you know having a little extracurricular activity going on there, and she looked at me like in the middle of it. She goes, "Mom," and I went, "No, don't say." <laughs> Just wait. You can talk to me after this is done. She's like, "It's in her family." I'm like, "I know." So. Um, yeah, my little social con- conscious, like out in the world. Um, <laughs> she's she's funny, um, but yeah, it's it's. I think that you know, so your Friday's full because you've got Vanessa coming on and talking about her latest book, which is historical romance and Hamilton, and then you've also got candidly yours is out now, and you did a mm-hmm. reading of that on your YouTube channel, um, and yeah. I mean, it's you've got just a ton of stuff going on. I know. What is wrong with me? <laughs> well, no. I would think it keeps the sanity. I th- well, I guess it could be one of two ways. It could keep your sanity in sync, or it could make you more crazy, but in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely fills my day. That, that's for sure. So that's actually one of the things I'm working on uh, is, is being more organized with all, all this stuff. And, you know, so so some of this came about because, a couple of years ago, um, I kind of was like, okay, and and this is terrible. I have not read Shonda Rhimes' book, The Year of Yes, but just okay. to tell you, I was like, you know what? That's a really great idea. Yeah. <laughs> because I can tend to be reticent about things or feel like, oh, I'm not good enough. You know, I'm not, you know, or, uh, whatever. So I was like, okay, this year I'm going to say yes to everything. Okay. So, you know, and it it started with, I think, 
um, a writer's group had kept asking me to do a workshop, and doing workshops was on my list of things that I wanted to do in my career as an author. And so she had asked me the year before, and I'm like, oh, no. And so she asked me again, and I was like, okay, this is going to be my year, yes. And so I just started saying every opportunity that came my way, I was saying yes. And so the good thing about that is it really kind of kicked off a period in my career that where things just kind of started to blow up and I started to have all these chances to do all these different fantastic things. Even the reason I ended up going to um, the RWA conference in the first place because I had gone from when I first became a writer being like, oh, I want to go to this, to over the years kind of being like, eh, I don't really know if this is for me. And so I was sure. kind of sitting in that place as a black writer saying, ah, I don't think it's really for me. I think my time is better invested at Archie or, or here or whatever. And so I was invited to be on a panel. And I, my first reaction was to say, no, I didn't plan to go anywhere. <laughs> right. And then I, then I was like, okay, nope, nope, say yes. And so that's how I ended up going um, in the first place. So, yeah. So, you know, so, in, I'm, so I'm still been kind of riding that wave of year of yes. But I now I think I'm at a point where I need to also – remember that sometimes you need to say no and those are things because it's just like you can't do everything, especially now. Right. I, um, in addition to how all the deadlines and stuff that I'm juggling with my two publishers and then my indie projects, I also um, help watch my grandchildren, you know, a day or two a week. Sometimes it's like this week I don't have them at all, which the timing couldn't be more perfect because of the fact that, you know, I have a release week. But normally I have them learn two days a week. And so, um, you know, and then my, my the youngest is autistic. And and so he is he, he has such a big personality. But he, you cannot take your eyes off this dude for a minute. <laughs> just, right. Sure. Everything's a, interesting. Yeah. Yes. He's yeah. such an adventurer. He, and he's fearless. So I'm always chasing after him and being like, what are you doing? <laughs> and his older brother is just like the best, best big brother because he is like, he is like, his eyes are on him constantly. So mm-hmm. he's always aware of what he's doing at any given time. But, you know, I, I love spending time with the boys and stuff, but it's almost impossible for me to like actually get anything done when sure. they're here because <laughs> the youngest, like, he will you know, be, be playing with his toys and doing his thing or watching his shows or whatever, and everything's cool. But the mm-hmm. moment I'm sitting there on the couch and I pick up my laptop and put it on my lap, he is in mm-hmm. my face like, hey, move that out of the way so I can sit on your lap. <laughs> you know? That's right. <laughs> or even with the oldest, he is monster truck obsessed. And so sometimes when the younger, uh, uh, his brother takes a nap, I'll let him watch Monster Trucks or whatever. and But he can't just watch Monster Trucks. He's, like, tapping my leg every two seconds, like, Nani, Nani, did you see that? Nani, Nani, Bigfoot. <laughs> I know. Look at this. I'm like, okay. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so my time is more limited, and like I said, so, yes, I, and then, of course, you know, as I'm getting older, my, my brain needs to focus a little bit more and not do 50 things at one time. And so I probably will start kind of slimming down some of the, the things I'm doing. But it is, it's been fun, and I, I enjoy all these different um, 
projects and stuff and doing all this different stuff. So yeah, but we'll see. In twenty twenty in twenty twenty one it might slow down a little bit or it might be a little bit more reduced and refined in terms of what projects and things I'm working on. So you've got um the new book, the Bourbon Brothers book came out yesterday. Candidly Years is out mm-hmm. now as well. And then mm-hmm. you've got a book coming in December. Mm-hmm. Second Chances on Cypress Lane, and that's the first book of a new series. Yes. And so you tell me about <laughs> tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> So um, that is my Holly Grove Island series. So I have been writing, I have already been writing uh, stories set in small towns, mm-hmm. but with the Harlequin lines that I've been writing for, Kamani Romance and Harlequin Desire, they're more focused on like, you know, wealth, you know, the, the wealth and, and glamour and stuff. So sure. even though it is set in a small town, it's not what most people, you know, what most publishers would consider small town romance. Sure. So sure. whereas this one is set in a small town, also in North Carolina, um, but it is um, in the Outer Banks. Because in Pleasure Cove was North Carolina, coastal North Carolina, and this one is going to be actually in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Um, so it is traditional small town uh Romance. So I'm super excited about the series, and the first book in the series, Second Chance on Cypress Lane, is about a New York reporter who unwittingly gets herself involved in a scandal Uh-oh. and has to, re- has to return home to her small island town to regroup where she runs into the man who broke her heart when she was 17. So um, <laughs> I'm I'm we're at the final stages of, of revising. I'll be getting the, uh, I'm expecting any day now, the uh, final revisions on that. And uh, But I'm excited to bring that series um, to life. Cause it's funny because I, I developed the idea for this series oh, at least five years ago. Okay. So it's just kind of weird that all of this is happening this year because it, this has turned into like my year of second chance romance. So, okay. I'm gonna, and who doesn't love that? Done, yeah. <laughs> when it's all done, I will have released four books this year. And out of the four books, three of them are second chance romance. <laughs> and that totally was not planned, but apparently that's the theme of this year. So I'm just going to roll with it. <laughs> well, but you know what? Everybody, I mean, second chances are, are like, all, we always love those, you know, because mm. it's it's one of those things of if I had only known when I was this age. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's that feeling of if you could go back and talk to your you know thirteen year old self, um, and I always laugh. I'm like I don't know if I'd listen, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like here I am. Yeah, I'm I you, you know. Hit, like, I think you hit that on the head about why why we like second chance romance so much. It does give you that, you know. It does tap into that thing we all have about I wish I could do this or that differently. Or, but I, you make a good point. Would I have listened? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, like, okay, if you do this, I'm like, ah, I know what I'm doing. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, we see, it, we see it in our own children and, you know, mm-hmm. in people now who are the same thing. You try to say, hey, look, dude, I wasn't always this 50-year-old woman. <laughs> I, know. I know. You know, I laugh about that. With, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. So I laugh about that because I, um, I think about all the grandparents right now and that are, and I'm thinking, okay, they were in their ninth, their twenties and the sixties and said, Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, you may not want to think grandma was all that square. <laughs> you know, yeah. I was born in, yeah. <laughs> like, grandma may have burned her bra. <laughs> so, just, <you> know. <laughs> right. That's absolutely right. So. She may not even worn one. Yeah. We don't know. Um, <laughs> And, and, and there you are. Not now. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Totally optional. Um, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you. You are quite welcome. I enjoy talking to you as always. You are just the sweetest and most wonderful person. And I'm so thankful that we met online and that we had a chance to actually meet in person. That was true. We did. It was lovely. I loved it. And so I was, that's one of the sad things about not going to conferences because go get to hug all these fabulous people I get to see online so um but yeah, it will yeah. happen again it will happen again so um and I so think thank that you was so part much. of my impetus too of uh of, of doing the YouTube show is kind of wanting to feel that space of not having a place where we use an office connect you know yeah, so yeah. this show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions www.cosproductions.com please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle